You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Hi, I'm Bob Tart, author of the books Enslaved by Ducks, Follow Weather, and Kitty Cornered. And I would like to welcome you to an actual pet edition of What Were You Thinking on Pet Life Radio. And I'm saying that because I'm writing a birding book, which right now is called Featherbrained. That's my working title. And so I've been doing birding shows with book character Bill Holm. And it's nice to have on a guest who will talk about an actual pet topic. And my guest is Kelly Meister-Yetter, the Crazy Critter Lady. And she wrote a book called The Crazy Critter Lady under Kelly Meister. And the book she's working on will be under Kelly Meister-Yetter. And apparently a third will be Kelly Yetter. And who knows what the future will bring if she does a fourth book. So, hi, Kelly. How are you? Hi, Bob. (laughs) Thanks for having me on the show. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, this is going to be in a way, one of the oddest podcasts I've ever done, and that is because (laughs) this is not just because Kelly's on, (laughs) but it's because generally when I do a podcast, and let's turn that air conditioner off. Oh, it's a little quieter now. Usually when I do a podcast, I have some vague idea what the (laughs) subject matter is going to be. This time I have absolutely no idea. I got an email from Kelly, oh, a month or so ago, and let me quote the email. Bob, on the off chance you're looking for podcast subjects, I've been working on bomb-proofing my horse. With moderate success so far, I'd be happy to talk about it. Uh, Needless to say, I have absolutely no idea what Kelly is talking about. (laughs) So I am happy to talk about it. So three reasons why Kelly is on today. Number one, she's always a great guest. Number two, I've been doing too many birding podcasts, so let's do a pet podcast. Number three, I have no idea what she was thinking when she sent me that email. And number four... No matter what I say, even if I don't have a single question, Kelly will easily chatter and fill the entire 30 minutes. So so here we go. So besides, I should mention a little bit about Kelly, is that I first met Kelly when she was working on her Crazy Critter Lady book, which is about animal rescue that she has done, and a lot of it involving ducks. But not only is Kelly an infamous duck rescuer, but she has also been working with horses quite a bit. And you want to talk a little bit about that, Kelly, and then just go into whatever you want to go into? Because I know you've you've done a lot of work with horses and, was it a mule or a donkey? Donkeys. Yes. Well, go ahead. Okay. Well, I got started, I don't know, years ago volunteering at a local horse rescue facility. They also board horses and they have some that they own because the daughter had gotten into horse riding and competition. And things kind of grew from there. I started taking riding lessons over the years. 
and and all that was well and good. The horse that they were using for lessons was more or less bomb-proof, and I'll tell you what that is in a second. And I didn't know anything about bomb-proofing or that that word existed or anything. I just knew that the horse was pretty well-behaved. And so that was pretty cool. And when there were children at the barn, the horse rebel was well-behaved enough that they could put children on him safely, and he wouldn't do anything, you know, unpredictable or scary. And then uh, a couple years ago, he died unexpectedly. He colic, which tends to happen with horses. And there was no bomb-proof horse available anymore to ride. So there was this other horse that I probably shouldn't say too much about because he's owned by somebody. But let's just say he's got kind of a sour personality and he's not much fun to ride. And that was kind of the default horse after Rebel died. Well, I was getting more and more experience. And so I kind of pressed the barn owner, Nancy, uh, to let me do some lessons on the new and improved alpha horse. And by that, I mean, he, he was not always the alpha horse at this barn. There was another one named Nicky Newman, and he was a very mellow guy. And he was bomb-proof, but he was a special horse, so we didn't get to ride him. And he sort of retired from being the, the boss of the herd because he was getting older. And then this new and improved alpha horse took over. His name is Little Bit of Bo, but he's called Bit. And he rules with an iron hoof. I mean, he is just always running around with his ears pinned and biting the horses on the butt and being very bossy and aggressive. But he had potential. He came from a situation where he uh, was diagnosed with EPM, which is a neurological issue, and you trip, the horse trips with this uh, balance issues. So the people who owned him couldn't compete on him because you can't do that if your horse is tripping and falling over. So they brought him to this barn. And they decided they didn't want to pay what it was going to cost to treat him. You can treat it, but you can't cure it. So Nancy, the barn owner, kept the horse because they didn't want it anymore. And he'd just been sort of hanging around. Nobody was really riding him when I sort of pressed Nancy to let me. So I got to take some lessons on him. And he was scary because, I mean, this horse is kind of tall, taller than Rebel was. And I climb up there thinking, oh, it's a longer way to the ground if I have to, if I fall off or I get chopped off. Fortunately, that didn't happen. So after some lessons, I got him with the guy who's now my husband, Mr. Yetter. And he, because he loved me and really wanted to impress me, decided to lease bit for me for a birthday gift when leasing is basically renting the horse. And so you have all the perks of ownership without all the expensive ownership. You just pay one lease price, and that includes all the things that would be extras otherwise, like uh, the farrier trimming the hooves and dentist and all this sort of thing, woman. So we leased them, and my lovely boyfriend and now husband uh, realized that he'd started something he couldn't really finish because you don't just lease for a month. You're building a long-term relationship. So we've been leasing this horse for uh, well over a year. It's been two years now, actually, with no end in sight because now we've built up a relationship. Uh, and, you know, you, you can't just cut that off. It would be bad. So there's two things you can do at this barn. They have a big arena you can ride in, but you're riding in circles, and it gets boring real fast. Or they have, I think it's five acres, and it's a rectangular piece of property, and there's a track all the way around the property that they drive because they have a tractor, and they fill it up with horse poop, and then they drive the poop out to the back of the property and dump it all out. So you have a, a natural track on the outside of the fence. And I wanted to see if I could start riding this on the outside of the fence. Well, this is a huge big deal, and this is not bomb-proof. This is a flighty horse. He spooks at everything. Bomb-proof is basically a horse that you could set a bomb off next to, and he's not going to jump or run or anything. He'll just stand there. And that's kind of what you want, but not all horses are born that way. I think you can train them to 
a degree. I'm not convinced yet that that this in particular will ever be totally bombproof. But you can make progress, and you can teach them a thing or two, and and especially if you devote you know enough time to it. So when you first started writing Bit or working with him, he was still very shy and sort of skittish. Is that right? And you succeeded in making him, or at least taking him down the road to being bomb-proofed. Is that right? Right. You know, he would see his own shadow against the wall of the arena that we were in, and he would startle. So, you know, pretty Just dramatic like stuff. And you, I mean, you know, anything. The wind blows, he's frightened. And his thinking is, you know, he's the boss of the whole herd, so he needs to know what to be afraid of to tell the other horses. But he kind of takes it a little too far in that just about everything was scaring him. And that could be, you know, when you're on his back and suddenly he, you know, he shifts, moves, he moves unexpectedly, uh, comes up short, you know, it's, it can be scary for you, the rider, and it can be dangerous. So it was in my best interest to try and mellow him out a little. But I have to say up front, I'm not a horse expert. And I really was playing it by ear and making it up as I went along. And I still am because, like I said, not a horse expert. So I was, I spent a year just walking beside him around this track because I did not feel safe enough getting on him yet. He was startling all the time. So the, uh, the people that own this barn, Nancy, uh, husband and daughter, they are the sole U.S. distributors of Hilton Herbs, which is a, a herbal supplement for dogs and horses. And the Hilton Herb people actually make one that's designed to calm down a flighty horse. And I don't put a lot of stock in all this herbal stuff, but I got to tell you, I could tell a big difference when he'd been on it for a while and then she ran out and didn't tell me because suddenly he was startling all the time. Hmm. Again, whereas on the supplement, we had made a reasonable amount of progress. But it's very slow going. It's day to day. And sometimes they forget what they learned the day before or the week before. And you have to literally walk him up to every frightening thing. You've got to touch it. You've got to let him smell it. You've got to knock on it to see what it sounds like. I've done that with trees, with cars, with uh, garbage cans. I mean, anything that we encountered that he thought was suspect had to be addressed. You have to walk them up and let them see it and see that it's not, you know, this big horse-eating, you know, tree stump that they think it is. So, you know, everything you're saying so far sounds like you're talking about me instead of a horse. <laughs> I think I need well, to be... Well, I'd be happy to come up there and work with you, I Bob, think I need you some, think you need it. <laughs> I need bomb-proof training. Um, yeah. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will be right back. We're taking a break for a word from our sponsors, and you are listening to Kelly Meister-Yetter on What Were You Thinking? What Were You Thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. It's dinner time in America, where more pet parents trust PetSmart for natural and expert recommended foods than any place else. And now, we've added more than 100 new varieties to our already wide selection of your favorite brands, like Simply Nourish, Authority, Wellness, Science Diet, and more. Do what's best for your pet. At PetSmart, happiness in store. Go to PetSmartDeal.com to find out this week's coupon code and save up to 30% on food, treats, toys, and more. And get free shipping on orders of $49. Go to PetSmartDeal.com. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. 
Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Hi, this is T.O.D. Anderson, and I'm the host of Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. We're going to talk about a variety of topics on canine behavior and training, all based on modern methods that are fun for you and your dog. We might be talking about other critters, too. So join us on Get Positive Results. We'll talk about common issues between you and your dog, answer your questions, discuss different activities you can do with your dog, and keep you posted on current canine news and products. All this on Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys. Ow! In my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, I'm back. I'm Bob Tart, author of Enslaved by Ducks, Follow Weather, Kitty Cornered. And we are speaking to Kelly Meister-Yetter, who, as Kelly Meister, the crazy critter lady, is the author of a book coincidentally called Crazy... Is it The Crazy Critter Lady? Or cr- no, just Crazy Critter Lady. Crazy Critter Lady. Where can people get that book? Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Okay, and you have a website. I have a website. You can also order the book through the website. There's a link. It's CrazyCritterLady.com. I should know that. Yeah, and is that where your blog is? No, blog is, uh, oh my gosh, Kelly's Critter Talk at blogspot.com. But there is a link at uh, your crazycritterlady.com website, right? Yes, there is. Okay. All right. Well, back to the horse, back to Bit. Yep. And so you were walking him up to things and uh, letting him know that things weren't scary. And so then, then what happened? Well, we were making enough progress that I thought I could finally get on his back, and that was a year after we started all this. I was riding him occasionally in the arena, but not outside the fence, because that was way outside his comfort zone. And I needed to see him being a bit calmer before I was ready to get on his back, because I'm a little bit of a chicken with things like it. When a horse startles and you're on his back, it's a little scary, unless you're used to it, and I wasn't. So it took a year to get on his back. So then we had to work out things like he would walk with me. If I was walking beside him, we would go and be fine. But if I was on his back, there were areas of the track that frightened him. And I don't know what it was about those areas, but I just knew they were there. So he would refuse to go forward. And there are apparently a lot of stinky tricks that horses will employ if they don't want to do what you're asking of them. And Bit's favorite was backing up. And he would back up for, oh, I don't know, 20 yards. He was very, very emphatic, I'm not going forward. So, you know, every time he threw up a roadblock, I had to outsmart him. And while I'd like to say that that's an easy thing to do, it's not really always easy to outsmart a horse Hmm. because they're very clever and he is very intelligent. So eventually I learned if I turned him around with his butt facing the direction I wanted to go in and then made him back up the way I wanted him to go, he would do it. And horses don't like to back up. So after some point, he figured out, you know, I don't want to do this. I'll just turn (laughs) around and go the way you want me to go. 
So after a number of battles where that was the objective, he figured out the minute I started backing him up and we didn't have to back up, you know, 20 paces, he would actually take a few steps backwards and then turn around and direct himself in the you know, direction I wanted him to go. So huge progress. Meanwhile, I don't know. I'm going to try and throw this in before we run out of time. I rode him in my wedding. We practiced. I wasn't sure whether he was going to do what I okay, wanted wait, on wait, the wait, day, wait, wait, but wait. I tried to cover all the bases. And <laughs> at the minute. last minute, he was a champion. Wait a minute. Let's back yeah. up a minute. I thought you said I rode him in my wedding. I did. Did I not? Oh, I didn't tell you about that, Bob. Oh my. Yes. It, we had the wedding in the horse barn. And my husband played guitar because he's a musician. And he, as he played, I rode in on the horse, did a, a victory lap around the arena, and then got off, and we had the ceremony. The horse did so well, I actually bought him a first-place blue ribbon rosette, and it's hanging on his stall. Wow. Right, And he was pleased about it. I said, you won in the wedding trot competition because I didn't know whether he was actually going to cooperate and trot on the day, and he actually did, and I was thrilled. So I went on subsequently to buy him some other ribbons that we did not compete and earn, but I felt he deserved anyway, and filled up his stall door with a grand champion ribbon and a best of show ribbon. So he's a highly decorated horse, even though we haven't done a heck of a lot to actually earn it. Now, the reason I bring that up is because last week, and I'm pleased that this came up before you know we're talking today because I can actually tell this part of the story. It's kind of caps it nicely. Last week, I was riding him, and he's doing so much better outside, especially in scary areas, places he used to not do well in. I, I walk him to within 10 feet of the end of the driveway and make him stand as cars go by, and he does really well with that. So the, last week, we're standing out in the driveway. I'm, I'm on his back, and he's doing very well, and my riding instructor, Corey, sees this, and she's barn owner Nancy's daughter. So Corey tells Nancy, wow, but, you know, he just went out there and stood very calmly in the driveway. I was amazed. And Nancy, in response, said, well, this is what I saw. And what Nancy saw the very same day was um, the UPS guy was coming to pick up a load of stuff, and he was backing his van into the it's a very long driveway, as they are out in the country a lot of times, backing the van into the driveway, and I had Bit standing by, and I'm on his back again, and he's standing completely still. He's not afraid of the truck. He's not afraid of the UPS guy. He's just perfect. Wow. And Nancy happened to see this. So she and Corey are exchanging notes on this whole, because they didn't know. They know I'm riding, but they never see me ride, so they don't necessarily see how much progress I'm making. Well, I went to the barn Saturday and for my usual volunteering, and Nancy said, I've got something for you. I said, oh, okay. And she pulled out, she used to be uh, the equestrian coach for one of the local high school teams, and she pulled out a grand champion trophy oh. from the year 2008 <laughs> that they had never used and said, congratulations, because he was standing still in the driveway for the UPS guy. You guys have earned this trophy, which I just thought was hilarious. I mean, she really got into the scheme of things, you know, following on the heels of all those ribbons I bought him. And I think wow, that's great. It's in a place of honor now wow. in the house. It sounds like the number one thing you have to do if you're going to bomb-proof a horse is it just takes a huge amount of patience. Is that right? And just kind of being with a horse? It takes an enormous amount of patience and some intrepidity because you really have to sort of anticipate every horse is different in what frightens him. 
and you you got to you know you got to try and figure out what the thing is that's scaring him. You got to try and figure out how to incorporate new things. You have to introduce new things, and it's simple stuff. When Corey, my riding instructor, was uh, you know loading stuff into her car, I just had I had I walked a bit up. We stood there. We talked to her. We you know, and he absorbed all of this person moving around, starting up a car, driving down the driveway. Things that you take for granted, you have to sort of you know inure them to. And so I'm not always, you know, terribly creative in this way, but now when I see a chance, I take it. And I've got a barn volunteer that I tied a balloon to her pants and had her waving a bag around and different things like that. Next week, we're going to use an umbrella. Yeah, you really got to be thinking in terms of a prey animal because we are predators. Humans are predators. They're prey animals. So they're looking at the world in an entirely different way because they think everything's trying to eat them. Well, I think that that's amazing. You were saying that it took an entire year before you could ride bit. Is that right? Yeah. I I probably could have gone on him sooner, but I was not trusting. I didn't have enough trust in in his ability to keep me safe. But that shows, to me, that shows just a lot of admirable patience on your part, that you're just spending time with the horse. Were you doing other things while you were out there? I mean, you didn't go out there just to, to hang out with Bid. Were you working with other horses, too? you taking your lessons and things? Or no, not? he was it. Uh, because we were leasing him, I was able to be out there up to four days a week, because I do a half lease rather than a whole lease. And so I've got four days out of every week to spend, you know, doing whatever I want to do with this particular horse. So the goal was to get him safe enough to ride outside the barn. And then the next goal was, well, let's see how much bomb-proofing we can do because you can't really ride, you know, if your horse is going to spook all the time. So the idea now is to be able to get him bomb-proof enough that we can take him off the property and walk and he'll be okay in a new environment. Right. And, and yes, it does require enormous amounts of patience when they're spooking because of, you know, a fly zips by or something. Does, does that mean getting him off the property, does that mean getting him in a trailer? Yes. There are other farm properties out near there that we can walk him around once he's ready to go a little farther than just the one property. But there's also a wonderful uh, metro park in this area that's got 17 miles of horse trails that I would love to take him out on, and that would require a trailer, which we haven't even gotten to yet. Wow. We'll come back to this, but let's talk a little bit about your Crazy Critter Lady book and what you're working on right now. So when did Crazy Critter Lady come out? Crazy Critter Lady came out in 2011. And it is about uh, various animals that you have owned and rescued, including a whole gang of ducks. Yes. And, yes, ducks, mostly ducks, cats, and um, I forget why I haven't read the book lately. <laughs> That's terrible. Right, well, no, it's I, about I, great critters I've known and loved. How's right, that? right. And you have some ducks now. I do have. I don't know if I mentioned this to you either, but there's a, a local woman who, who founded a cheap, uh, inexpensive spay-neuter place. And she decided last winter when it was horribly, horribly record-breaking cold that she was going to rescue my ducks off the pond in Whoville, and she did, and took them all to a farm sanctuary, which I've been asking why it didn't occur to me to do that years ago. But as happenstance has it, one of the ducks there, before they were rescued, developed a leg issue, and you know how that is when they Mm -hmm. get gimpy. That's pretty much the end of them if they're out in the wild. Mm -hmm. And I convinced my new husband that we should bring that duck and its mate home and let it live here. Nice. How's it been so doing? we managed to get a couple off of 
the pond, uh, who Ethel and Ethel, who I always loved, and boyfriend, right. um, who are now here with a third duck, a Pekin, who's showing them how to be wild and crazy like she is. And then the others got rescued, so I don't even see them anymore because they're across the state of Ohio from where I live. Now, when I first met you, you were going to this pond almost every day to look after them, feed them, yeah. and just, just kind of check up on them. Yes, and then I got some volunteers about the time that I moved uh, 15 miles away, so I didn't have to go every day. Volunteers would pick up the days that I weren't there, and they would help feed. Yeah, let's make um, it clear, because people listening might think, I see ducks all the time. Why would anyone have to take care of them? These aren't wild ducks. These are right. domesticated yeah. ducks that were probably dumped. Yes, very good point. They were dumped, a flightless domestic breed of ducks who got dumped after Easter when people, you know, people think it's a great idea to put ducklings in the Easter baskets and then they find out ducks are big and noisy and they poop a lot. And they're ducks, so we'll just dump them at the local pond, but they're not the wild mallards that people think they are. So these were, I mean, decades of people dumping ducks, flightless ducks, and a lot of them getting killed by predators, which is always sad, but... um, well, yeah, so they're off the table right now. I just got the three in the backyard, and the others went to the farm sanctuary. Cool. Um, which was sad and been bittersweet, but at the same time, it kind of freed me up more on bit and other horse issues. Well, it's so much nicer for them in the long run, right? Sure, yes. Well, they'll definitely live to a ripe old age at a farm sanctuary, so that's a good thing. Yeah, And you're working on book two? Book two is inches away from doneness. It's called... Better Medicine, subtitle, How Caring for Critters Helped Heal the Wounds of the Past. And this takes up where Crazy Critter Lady left off with new adventures about ducks and cats and horses and some interesting people, humans, this time. Oh, good. Yeah, because I got married and various things. So I'm pleased with it so far. I think it's taken shape quite nicely. Oh, Crazy Critter Lady is such an entertaining book. So well, thank you. It'll be fun to see what happens next. And are you already thinking of book three? I kind of am. It's in the back of my mind just because, you know, you have to have a stop. You know this. Sooner or later, you have to stop writing the book that you're writing. There's got to be a finish point. But in my case, and probably yours as well, the stories keep happening in your life. So, yeah, I've, I've already pretty much got some ammunition in the wings waiting for book three, but I really want to get through book two first because, you know, the, the tedious process of proofreading and revisions and all like that. So hopefully it's going to be out in time for Christmas 2014. Wow. Fingers crossed. Yeah, that, and that'll be also available on Amazon and through your website. Yes. We only have a couple minutes left. I should also ask you about the horse barn. This is a place... Is this where you've been volunteering that you write about in Crazy Critter Lady? Is that where Bit is or somewhere else? Yes. No, it's the same place. It's called the Healing Barn. It's a 501c nonprofit. So anyone who wants to make a donation, they take in abused and neglected horses and rehab them and find them homes. They're on the web at uh, thehealingbarn.com and thehealingbarn.org. And, what and there is a resident donkey who's a, a lot of fun. Not the same one as before. She died, <laughs> but we have a new uh, one. What part of yeah. the world is this in? This is in uh, Millbury, Ohio. They okay. are, and if I could just throw in a brief plug, anybody that's interested in bomb-proofing a horse, there's actually a book called Bomb-Proof Your Horse, and I got my copy at the used book site, abebooks.com, oh, yeah. that you put me on to, and yeah. the book is Bomb-Proof Your Horse by Sergeant Rick Pelicano, and I've been really enjoying and learning from it. Oh, that sounds great. And so yeah, it's been a big help. So your relationship is very good with Bit now. And is now how often do you ride Bit? 
Well, since the, the break, since winter broke, because uh, that was terrible, it was just too cold to ride, I've been averaging about three or four days a week because now we need to be consistent in what we're doing and what we're learning, and that's the best way to do it. And I'm also out there on Saturdays volunteering, and I usually interact with them then, too. Wow, that's great. Well, let's yeah. give your website again. CrazyCritterLady.com. Okay, and the book Crazy Critter Lady, and I heartily recommend it. And Thank you. Thanks so much for being on, Kelly. And Thanks so much for having me, Bob. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now I know kind of what bomb-proofing is. <laughs> it's kind of scared me when you first sent me the email. Yeah, that probably didn't sound right, did it? Well, but I figured if it was coming from you, it had to be something sort of um, kooky or something. Or interesting. <laughs> it was definitely interesting. Like I said, I, I always love being on your show, so thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, we'll do it again. Thanks to my producer, Mark Winter, for all his help and to everyone for listening. And you can go to my website to find out about my books, and that is bobtart.com, B-O-B-T-A-R-T-E.com, and you can email me at bob at petliferadio.com. So thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com.